I was praying about this morning, like, what, what do people need to hear? Like, I feel like we've said so much. Um, you know, you ever been to a place where it's like all you can eat, and you just eat, and you gorge yourself, and, and it's like, man, do I really want to go back and get another plate? But you want to get your money's worth, and so you go back, and you, you feel like you won. And, and that, that's kind of the way I feel. Like, I'm like, gosh, you know, we've talked about so many different things. How much can you take in? And really, the honest truth is we probably don't need to eat anymore. We probably need to work off what we just ate. Um, rather than getting another giant meal. I, I read this article not too long ago about the fattest people on earth. Um, people that weigh over a thousand pounds, okay? Like, just there's a lot of them. And just the progression, how eventually they can't even walk, and then people have to start bringing food to them, and, you know, and then they, you know, blend into the couch, and, you know, the whole thing. And I thought, man, that's, that's so the church. Um, where we just get fed and fed and fed and fed. And, and if we don't go exercise and work it off, it really doesn't do us any good. It, it almost becomes destructive at a certain point where we just keep taking more in. And I would just really encourage you um, to just do something, <laughs> um, anything. Like, you know, we, we're, we're so scared to make mistakes sometimes and we don't realize that by doing nothing, that's a mistake. Uh, there's a sin of omission. Um, but I think a lot of times we do that and we err on the side of safety rather than erring on the side of action. Man, I've made so many mistakes. I've made so many mistakes, but I really don't regret them. You know, I've made far more mistakes by sitting around and not trying something. You know, but, but we live in a culture where if someone tries something and fails, Everyone just reminds them of their failure, but we don't spend a lot of time addressing those who do nothing and who just are guilty of the sin of omission, you know, which, which Jesus at the end is going to say, look, I, I was hungry. You didn't feed me. You can't go, well, I didn't know what you wanted to eat. You know, I, I, you know, I was careful. I didn't want to clothe you because I didn't know what colors you like. I, I, you know, this, this is the, we're scared to make mistakes. And it, it's funny, like, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we just celebrated the 20-year anniversary of Cornerstone, which is the church I started in Simi Valley, and, and I was the pastor there for 16 years, and uh, the first thing I did was just, we just spent some time laughing at all the stupid mistakes I made over the years, and um, one of them was, uh, one morning I came on the stage with, with boobs, and uh, I just had like these balls in my shirt, and uh, and I go, this is what I feel like every Sunday. Come on up here. Let me feed you. You know? And I go, isn't this ridiculous? This is like week after week. It's like you should be feeding yourself by now. But this is like the only time you guys eat. Come on up here, you know? And uh, I know, it was dumb. But... Uh, It was funny, though, after service, after service, uh, this lady comes up to me, and she goes, I can't, uh, I can't believe you apologized for that. She goes, your boobs totally changed my life. She goes, <laughs> she goes I remember, which is the first time anyone said that. And, uh, 
But she told me, she goes, that was the Sunday where I got it. I go, I, I wondered, why was I so unfulfilled? It was like I was living vicariously through you, and, and I needed you to feed me, and you were absolutely right. And it was like that morning, I was like weaned off of you, and I started to study for myself, have this own relationship with God, basically approach the mountain and approach God himself, rather than just wanting to hear from Moses. It's like I, I, it, it changed everything when I began to study the Word and just do things. And so I encourage you, man, I, I don't think we need a whole lot more taking in. It's just believing what we've heard and going out and doing something. And, and, and look, one thing that has changed over the last few years, and I think it affects you, um, because I know it's affected me. You, you know how they talk about the whole Facebook generation and how there's greater depression. There are more depressed people than ever and they're pointing a lot of that to Facebook. They're saying, well, you know, you look on Facebook and you see everything, the best side of everyone. Because what do you put on Facebook? All your ugliest pictures? You know? No, you know, you get your best pictures, you talk about how much fun this was, and everyone's looking, going, man, I'm missing out on that. I'm missing out on what she gets to do. I don't look like her, I don't look like him, I don't get to go out with her, my status, this person, that, all of this stuff, and it creates this, oh, I'm missing out, I'm missing out, and this depression of all the things I'm not. And it's, I never really thought about it. I read this article, I read a lot of the little articles, but I'm just going, man, that, that's so true. It could get depressing when you start looking. And then I started thinking about ministry, and I go, man, that happens in ministry now. I was realizing this is part of the problem of what's paralyzing a lot of people. You read everything that Tim Keller writes, and you realize how dumb you are. And you go, man, he knows so much that I don't. Ministers start reading about everything that Rick Warren is doing and that they're not. I was like, man, I'm just discipling these five kids. You know, look at what he's doing. Look at what this guy's doing. Man, I went through this. And there were periods where I'm looking at what these guys are doing and what they know. Like, I've got limitations in my mind where I go, man, I can't take in all that information and retain it and be able to remember it and explain it to someone else. And I'll go, God, why? Why can't I be more like uh, John Piper and Tim Keller? Why don't you give me a brain like that? You know, why, why wasn't I more like a, a Rick Warren or Andy Stanley where I could just lead hundreds of people in ministry? Man, you know, why didn't you give me that mind? Why don't you give me that leadership? Why all, all you made me was sexy? Why? Why? <laughs> And you start going, gosh, I'm not this, I'm not that. Why, why, you know? And, but you know, then you remember, okay, remember when Moses, Moses like, God, why, 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 why? You know, I don't talk real well, I don't do this. And God just said, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? Are you saying I screwed up? You know, Moses, you're getting down on yourself, like you're the one that's in charge here. I, I made your mind to absorb whatever you could absorb and you just work hard at it you do it and just try something just do something i made you just the way i wanted you and to accept that and how as believers and even those who are in ministry and some of you that are pursuing ministry not to fall into this depression of oh, i'll never be that guy i'll never be that girl i'll never sing like her she's crazy you're crazy you know it's just I, I'm probably as good as him, but you know, but you know, you, you start comparing, 
And you just go, man, I'll never do that. I'll never be that. You guys, that's, that's not what this is about. Um, I just want to leave you with this one passage of Scripture that's, that's really helped me this year. Um, just get excited about who I am, the opportunities I have. And, and as we go, I, I kind of want to be brief and just throw you out with this because, like I said, we, we know so much. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a great statement. You know, Peter, St. Peter, the Apostle Peter just starts off saying, I'm a servant. Okay, let me just say that I'm a servant first. We're all servants. And then he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Okay, did you catch that phrase? To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Because he's talking about by the righteousness of, of, of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter looks at me, he looks at you and says, we're on the same playing field. You have an equal faith of mine. You have an equal standing with me. We're both perfect in the sight of God. See, so many of us don't think this way. We go, well, that guy, you know, well, her. No, Peter's going, man, I'm an apostle. I'm saying we are, have a faith that's of equal standing because Jesus made us all equally righteous. And you've got to get that. I sure hope you don't leave here with any thought that, oh, there's this speaker, that guy, this pastor, this woman. It's like, no, we're all equal because of Jesus. Once we get into all of that, then we're just discounting all of you know, Philippians 3 and everything else we've been studying about how all of that's rubbish, all of that's garbage. Everything's about Jesus, and we're on equal footing with him. And then he goes on, he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Did you get that? God has given you everything. If, if the Scripture is right, He's saying, you know, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge. Like you can know, you can know God and Jesus, our Lord. You can approach that mountain just like Peter is able to. In fact, God says that by his divine power, he's granted to us. He's given to every single person in this room and, and, and in the tent, and, you know, half the people in the tent. Um, no, all, all of you in the tent, God's given you all everything you need. Okay, if you believe His Word, God's given you everything you need, so you personally have that right now, if you believe in Jesus. If you trust in Jesus, you right now possess everything you need for life and godliness. As it pertains to life and godliness. Now, He did not say, I'm giving you all the ability to attain you know, all the knowledge in your head as the next guy. No. Our minds have limitations. 
He didn't say, I'm going to make you all the best athletes, you know, so you, there's no limits to your physical body. No, you still can't jump. You still can't run. You, there's limitations. There's only so far you can go. But he says, as it pertains to life and godliness, there's no limits for you. His divine power has given you, he's granted to you everything when it comes to life. You could be the person who's the most alive in Christ in this room. You could be the godliest person on this camp. That's up to you. You've been given everything you need. That's your choice. You're as close to God as you want to be. It's totally up to you. You know, I, I, because, you know, I, I, I say this because I hear people say things. They'll make statements like, well, that's easy for you. You're Francis Chan. What does that even mean? That shouldn't even be a sentence. Like, what, 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 what does that mean? Oh, the moment I, I became a Christian or the moment that I decided to go into ministry or because I'm given a gift of speaking that suddenly everything comes easy for you and everything changes? No, there's, we're on equal ground here. Everyone has this faith of equal standing. And sometimes we'll listen to guys on the internet or we'll see this person or we'll hear about this person's life and assume they're out of reach. And that's not what the scriptures teach. And even as you get closer to a person, you start realizing the different faults they have. And I think about, gosh, maybe when I speak, I don't talk enough about my weaknesses and my failures and um, to where people, maybe, maybe I talk about my victories too much or something um, to make people think that, wow, we're these people. I remember talking to Piper about this one time and, and he says, man, we really have to figure out how to use our platforms to showcase our weaknesses. Otherwise, people don't see that side of us and they start feeling insecure. I thought, man, that's so powerful. To go, man, use your platform to showcase your weakness. Because um, we don't do that. Is that what you do on Facebook? Try to display your weakness? And I'll admit, I come to places like this and I don't think, let me show them. I, I, I want to tell you about the exciting stuff and the things God's doing not the times where I sink into this, what did I just do? I mean, a year and a half ago, I was just like, what did I just do with my life? I might have screwed everything up. I went like a year, year and a half, where I just felt like no one's coming to the Lord. I, I feel like I had more faith than ever. I'm knocking on doors, talking to people, and, and trying to win people to the Lord. And every time I thought something was happening, it wouldn't happen. I, I was even questioning God. I got to the point where I'm like, what, what's going on? Like, no one's coming to the Lord. I left this church where, where I see people getting baptized every single weekend, and I thought you were leading me into this, and then, and then here I am, I've been talking to people. I'm sharing my faith more than ever, and no one's coming to the Lord. Zero, zero fruit. What, what's going on? And, and God used it in a time in my life to show me, look, you... You, you, sometimes you, you, and I saw God's hand. I saw God working. I saw him alongside him, but I didn't see anyone repent. I didn't see a revival. There weren't there's these ton of followers or anything like that. I, I really didn't see anyone turn their life around during that whole time. And I'm going, God, what happened? And he was showing me, you know, how sometimes I, I worship success more than I worship Jesus. You know, I wasn't content that, like he said in Matthew 28, I could tell he was by my side. He was answering my prayers. People just weren't repenting. And I began to just worship this success in ministry. 
But there were so many other things. I'm still like, God, but you promised if I abide in you, there would be this fruit, and there'd be fruit that would last. And I start looking at my life and going, man, is there sin? Is there like this crazy sin in my life? And I, I realized, no, it's about the normal amount, you know? Um, and I, I seriously got to the point where I called my team in front of me, the guys that were ministering with me, and I go, I gotta believe one of you's in sin. You know, like, like Aiken, you know, like, I gotta kill one of you. I, that, because I was so not used to it. I go, man, I'm used to fruit. I'm used to seeing something happen. Honestly, look at your lives. What's going on here? And so I gotta let you know, man, there's just these periods where you just start having this doubt. Like, what is happening? I think I'm being faithful. But I'm not seeing it. I'm sure not excited right now. I just pulled my family out of what they were secure in. And, and they hate San Francisco. We all do. You know, we just did. And it was like, man, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. It's probably Chuck's fault. Why did you give me that prophecy? You know, it's just, you, you start... It's just, oh, man, what am I doing? I'm just sitting here and look at what I was doing, what I'm doing now. And I, I went through stages like that. Um, and so don't think it's all fun and exciting. I've made ridiculous mistakes. I second-guess a lot of things I've done in the past. Man, we've, we've taken people into our homes, and, and it was just a mess. And we're like, that didn't help them. It just disrupted our family, screwed everything up. I think we screwed them up even more. And now they're gone. It's like, woo, there we go. That was dumb. You know, there's just so many things we look at in life, and we go, that was stupid. That was dumb. That was a waste. Why did I try that? Why did I try that? But, you know, I look back now, and I go, you know, that's, that's part of life. You know, we try, we pursue things. You see, even, even see in Scripture. One, one of the things that helped me so much was uh, that passage in, um, I think it's 2 Chronicles 6. Don't look it up. It might not be there. Um, but it's when, uh, when, when, uh, when Solomon was, was building the temple. And, um, and uh, let me just look it up. I'm pretty sure it's 2 Chronicles. Um, 2 Chronicles chapter 6. Yeah. 2 Chronicles 6, um, verse 7. It says, Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David my father, Whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, it is not you who shall build the house, but your son who shall be born to you shall build the house for my name. I, I just, I love that passage. Okay? Because what, what he's saying is, you know, David was thinking, I'm going to build this temple for the Lord. And so he starts collecting stuff. He starts pursuing it. And, and God says, no, 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 that's not what you're going to do. But he doesn't get mad at him like, you idiot. Why would you think I wanted you to build a temple? 
No, what it says is it says it was it was good that you had this in your heart. You did well that it was in your heart to build a temple in my name. David, that was good. Man, that's honoring. You just thought, man, well, I have a house. How come God doesn't have a house? And so you thought to yourself, I'm going to build a temple. And he goes, that's so good that it was in your heart, but I'm not going to have you do it that way. And I, I love that. And, there's, and then you start reading Hebrews 11 and all the mistakes and failures of all these people. But they lived by faith. And they tried stuff. You think about even Paul would head in a direction and the Holy Spirit would stop him and go, Paul, no, no, that's not really where I wanted you to go. But you look at these mistakes that people make. We're all going to make them. We're humans. But they don't look at it as failure. And I, I remember one time trying to start a church in the inner city, you know, back when I was in Simi Valley. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do a church planning class. And for church planning, we're not going to just talk about church planning. We're going to plan a church in the inner city, you know. And, and so Wednesday afternoons, we're going to go in the inner city. We're going to actually plan a church. You know, we start playing basketball with these guys. We start, you know, doing crafts with the kids. And I go, watch this. You know, God's moving. We just have to live by faith. And by the end of the semester, you know, we brought all the people we'd been ministering to and going, man, we came here because we actually wanted to plant a church with you guys. You know, we just believe that God wants something right here in South Central L.A. You know, you guys with me? We're going to do this thing? And all the guys are like, man, we just came to play basketball. <laughs> uh, we don't really want to do this. And all the kids, and no one was interested. And, and I just felt like, Wow, that was a waste of a semester. Um, you, you just, you, you try these things and go, I thought you wanted me to have a church in the inner city, one in Simi Valley. And you, you can get down on yourself for all this stuff. And then you look at passages like this. And I just think, you know what? God knows we're going to make mistakes. God knows we're going to head certain directions thinking it was him. And I just love the way he approached David. It was like, that's good that it, it was in your heart. But I'm not going to have you do that. And it just gave me the sense of, rather than God going, Francis, you idiot, why would you go to South Central? Why would you do... It was more like, look at Francis, he's so cute. <laughs> he thinks I... You know, it was this child. It, it was like, okay, my oldest daughter, one time she brought, bought me this wallet for Father's Day. And I remember opening it up and looking at this wallet thinking, I am never going to use this. Right? Because I don't carry a wallet. I just don't like wallets. And then that thing's plastic. It's like, I'm not going to use it. But what do I do as a dad? Do I go, why did you waste your money on that? No. I open it up and go, no way. A wallet. <laughs> oh, my God. It's brown. A wallet. <laughs> That's what we do with our children. And you've got to understand, you've got this God who's just perfect, whose thoughts are so far beyond ours. His ways, as far as the heavens are above the earth, that's how far his thoughts are than ours. And so who are we as his little children to think we're going to nail everything right? And yet God says to David, you know what? That was good. It was in your heart. And I hope you get that. As you go here, look, we're all going to make a bunch of mistakes. And I could sit here all afternoon and just tell you mistake after mistake, mistake after mistake. And maybe that's what we need to do sometimes just so you feel better about yourself. Um, but, but for us to just believe, you know what? I've got the Spirit of God in me, though. I'm going to make those mistakes, but let me err on the side of action. Why not just assume 
you're supposed to do something rather than waiting to hear a voice from the Lord. You know, we always want to say, well, I haven't heard from the Lord yet. I haven't heard. Did you hear from the Lord to watch television? Did you hear from the Lord to go on Facebook? Did you hear from the Lord to tweet? Did you hear from the Lord to go out to pizza? Like, we do a lot of things without hearing from the Lord, but when it comes to ministry, suddenly we've got to hear this voice. Well, what did he tell us to do? He just said, go, start making disciples. Like, we had to just go try something. Go do something unless he tells us not to go. I mean, if anything, I tell people, man, I think we should all be pursuing adoption. Unless God, unless you hear a voice from God telling you not to. I mean, isn't, wouldn't that be clear? If true religion is care for the widows and the orphans, shouldn't we just assume action? Like, I should be foster parenting. I should be taking in kids. I should be rescuing kids overseas unless I hear a voice telling me not to. But haven't we already heard the voice that tells us to do these things? And shouldn't we be waiting for, for a voice to tell us to stop? And we should start erring on the side of action. And going, oh, I thought you wanted me to build a temple. I thought you wanted me to adopt these kids. But now I just heard a voice telling me, no, I, not you. Not you. But we always wait for that extra voice when it comes to things we don't really feel like doing. Well, God didn't tell me to share my faith with that guy. You know, I'm going to wait till God tells me to share my faith with someone before I actually do it. I need to hear that voice. And I'm saying, man, let's just go pursue these things rather than sitting and eating and listening to some more. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Last thought I'll leave you with. We'll go back to Second Peter. Um, it's this. Okay, so he's given you everything that pertains to divine nature, by which he's granted to us his very precious and great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful nature. So, so not only have you been given everything, you're an equal standing with Peter, you've given everything that pertains to life and godliness, you're a partaker of the divine nature. You're not just a human being. Like, like you have the, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this the first night. You've got all of these things, but then he says, verse 5, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So after he says, you've been given all this, you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, you're a partaker of the divine nature, he says, now therefore make every effort to start adding these things into your life. Do you get that? Make every effort. Just because you're a partaker of the divine nature, just because you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, does not mean that all these character qualities become yours passively. Yes, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit right now. Yes, I've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. But God commands me, now your job is to make every effort to add to your faith this type of virtue or godliness. And it's hard. 
It's hard work. You've got to understand that just because you've been given all of this. I, I say this because I hear people say, man, I prayed. I, I asked for the Holy Spirit to come into my life. I told him to get rid of this desire for pornography or get rid of this addiction, and it didn't work. Well, the Bible says you have to make every effort towards self-control. It's not the Holy Spirit. He's, he's, he's in you. You've got that ability but you still have to do your part. This doesn't just happen. There are rare instances where I'll hear of drug addicts that it was just taken away overnight. But that is the rare, rare situation. I'll hear of guys that were addicted to pornography for, for years and boom, it's like, man, I just never looked again. I, I, somehow I, I, it, it didn't appeal to me. It's like, wow, that's amazing. But for most people, it's a fight. It's self-control. You make every effort. You make every effort toward perseverance. Do you think there, aren't, there haven't been times in my life, man, when I was some of your age, I, I thought about just taking my own life where, where the pain just kills you, where you just feel like, I want to do anything to get rid of this pain. You know, do I drink? Do I, you know, do I just start taking stuff? Do I just medicate myself? I don't want to feel this anymore. Do I just end it? Man, we all are going to feel those feelings. And the Bible says you make every effort toward perseverance. Hey, you remember these promises. You're a partaker of the divine nature. You work, you work, you work. And he says, if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. Okay. You're here because you want to do something with your life, right? And we all... A lot of us read, don't waste your life. And you're like, man, I just do not want to waste my life. I don't want to just do my thing and have a nice little family, this or that. And at the end, realize I wasted. I want to do something. And so sometimes we get so focused on, man, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I make sure I have the perfect discipleship strategy without screwing this thing? And I'm just going, you're not going to know. What the Bible promises, though, is if you are the right you, you won't be unfruitful. If you are growing in all of those areas, if you're adding to your faith virtue, you're adding to your virtue knowledge, growing your knowledge of God, you're adding to that knowledge self-control, you're growing in self-control and you're adding perseverance, the strength, you're adding brotherly affection, you're growing in your love. He goes, if these qualities are yours and they're increasing, he goes, I promise you, you are not going to waste your life. You're not going to be unfruitful. But if you just start pursuing all of those things and strategies without that character in your life, man, good luck. It's just you. Work on your walk with the Lord. Walk closely with Jesus. And if I leave you with that last thought, none of this really matters unless you're walking with Him. And we go right back to the beginning. Unless you're the one that's going to that mountaintop and meeting with God, where you have this intimacy with Him. And you're growing with Him. Because I guarantee you, if you're walking with Him, your life will not be unfruitful. You'll go through seasons where you're just going, man, I don't see any fruit right now. There'll be seasons like a lot of the prophets where, man, you might not see any fruit for years. That doesn't mean it was a waste of your life. Jeremiah's sermons were not a waste, even though we didn't see any converts. Ezekiel was not a waste. Paul tells Timothy in the last days, People aren't going to listen to you. But that doesn't mean it's a waste. They're not going to put up with sound doctrine. That doesn't mean you shouldn't keep preaching it. Just lay it out. Let them walk away. 
This is all a part of the plan that God made for you. You just walk closely to Him. You just keep living by faith. Err on the side of action. Try something. Do something unless you hear a voice telling you to stop. We need to go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything that God commanded. And He'll be with us. And unless you hear a voice clearly from God telling you otherwise, then we just need to go out and try something and start sharing our faith, experiencing the presence of God, and you're going to make a boatload of mistakes. And you're going to think you heard the voice of God at times when you really didn't. And you just figure it out. And you begin to hear His voice better and better the older you get. But you just have to go. You just have to try. Just do something. And don't just sit there and eat. Um, so let me pray for you as I go. God, right now we just rest in your sovereignty. You have a plan and we can't mess it up. God, your word is so clear in so many issues. And yet many of us are waiting for an additional voice. God, help us to tremble at your word. Rather than saying it's not enough and we need an audible voice. Help us just obey the things we hear and pursue them. And assume that we're supposed to do something. God, I pray that something real comes out of this weekend. That's not just another conference or retreat. That people here would just learn to walk with you and hear from you. And pursue what you've called them to pursue. May we trust in your Holy Spirit. That we're partakers of divine nature that we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. And so may we just go after you hard, strong. And I pray that men and women will rise up here or in the tent that are just so on fire for you. It's individuals that won't back down even if no one goes with them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.